Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Fresh Encounter, the radio ministry of Lifelong Anointing Church. Our mission as a church is to equip the body of Christ to increase in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with men. We're glad that you joined us for this edition of the broadcast. It is our prayer that this broadcast will be a blessing to you. Here now is Pastor Otuno with today's message. Now in the book of Genesis chapter 12, Genesis chapter 12, we read about the call of a man called Abraham. Okay, a man who got called to pack up his bags and go to a land that was not defined on Google Maps. Okay, for some reason, this guy, the Lord told him, he said, just pack up and go. Bible said that he was asked to go to a place that God said he was going to show him. Okay, now, just by the way, before we continue, if God gives you such a revelation, eh? if God tells you, pack up and go, to a place that I will show you, or to the place that I will tell you. If you have not developed a good ability to hear and to see what God shows you, you are going to be in a very, very deep trouble. Because when he's speaking, you may not hear, and you may just be running up and down. I just felt I have to put that one in somewhere. But he went in there. Anyway, you are toasted if you don't know how to hear from God, but that's a different story. But the Lord told the man to move. God told him to go and go to a place where he has never seen before. And the Bible says that as he began, the man did not even think twice. Abraham did not think twice. The Bible says that in Genesis chapter 12, if you read from verse number 4, the Bible says that so Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him. And Lot went with him. And Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. In other words, Abraham took up the challenge, hit the reset button in his life, and initiated a change in his life at the age of 75. Okay? Abraham made a change in his life. Abraham went in a different direction at the age of 75. Fast forward to the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter 3. The Bible tells us of another young man. The Bible says that this young man committed murder at a very young age. Then he ran away from the king. He decided to get married to a shepherd, to a shepherd lady. Then became the, then became the, uh, uh, started working for his father-in-law. Walking, you know, kind of tending his sheep. Bible makes us to understand that for 40 years this man was doing this thing. Uh, and he thought that was it for him. He thought that his life was going to, he's going to spend the rest of his life just working for his father-in-law. That was what he was thinking. But one day, the Bible tells us that God woke up one morning and just said, Okay, I think I need to interrupt your life. And the Bible makes us to understand that the Lord stopped into his life and called him and asked him to begin to lead a different kind of ship. Okay? And at the age of 80, Moses took up the challenge that the Lord Almighty gave unto him. At the age of 80, Moses hit what is called the reset button in his life. At the age of 80, Moses initiated a change in his life. If you fast forward to the New Testament, Bible tells us in the book of Acts of the Apostles, there was this young man who had made a career of killing the most unpopular people in Jerusalem at that time. His name was Paul. 
The Bible says that the man enjoyed the killing of the, the killing and the persecution of Christians that it made him very, very famous in Jerusalem. In Acts chapter 9, the Bible tells us that God Almighty now decided to look at this young man and decided to interrupt his schedule. He only, and, and he offered him an opportunity. And what was the opportunity? Instead of killing this Christian, why don't you begin to promote the same Christianity? Instead of killing the Christian, why don't you become their biggest advocate? And the Bible told us that he gave him, the Lord gave him an opportunity to be able to preach the gospel that he passionately persecuted and at the height of his career the Bible makes us understand that Paul took up the challenge he took up the challenge to forsake his career of killing the believers he took up the challenge of pressing the reset button in his life, he took up the challenge to initiate a change in his own life now if you look at these three characters the question that comes to mind is that why do these individuals respond to the call to initiate a change but travel in a different direction from the one they have been traveling before? Why would they want to hit a reset button at that stage in their life? Why did Abraham agree to take a trip to nowhere? Why did Moses agree to abandon his father's his father-in-law's uh, 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 ships? Why did Paul decide to change his career when he was enjoying the biggest fame that he can imagine? Why do individuals change their lives? Why do they decide at one point in time that it is time for me to make a change? Now, it all depends on who you are talking to. Okay? Depends on who you are talking to. People hit return's button for different reasons. Okay? People change their life. People make a change in their life, in their career for different reasons. And you will realize that People, most cases, make a change in their life when they realize that they are on a journey to nowhere. When they realize that they, when they realize the obvious, what I'm doing right now is not going to take me to where I am going. When they have enough common sense to wake up one day and say, if I continue to live like this, if I continue to do what I'm doing, I'm not going to get to where I'm going. I'm going to end up either dead or in prison. I'm going to either either sick or be carried about in a wheelchair. I'm going to end up in a place that I don't want to. When they come to the realization of the obvious, they make a change. Number two, people change their lives when they are forced to face the fact of life. It's either you do this or you end up like this. It's either you exercise or you end up with diabetes or with high blood pressure. It's either you do X or you, you know, or you get the result will be Y. When they are faced with an obvious fact, when they are faced with the fact of life, they make a change. Or when they are forced to face that challenge, they face that fact, they make a change. Number three, people make a change when they are tired of the current realities that is facing them. When they are tired of being broke. When they are tired of being sick, when they are tired of being, you know, of one small boy in their, in their office talking down to them and telling them what to do. And they look at that small boy, this guy is not even as old as my husband, or this girl is not even as old as my wife, and is talking to me anyhow, I'm done with this nonsense. When they are tired of their current realities, they make a change. Not only that, people, t- people change when they are desperate, when desperation sets in. When you look at yourself and say, no, I can't do this anymore. I am desperate for a change. I need something to happen in my life. I need a change to happen in my life. When people are desperate, they make a change. And then finally, when people are left without any option, it's either you do this or this is it. It's either you do this or this is what you are going to get. When people are left without option, they are forced to evaluate their lives and make a change. The interesting thing is that, as we you know, is that we all go through this particular process of change every day. Some of them willingly, some of them unwillingly, 
Many of us hit the reset button every day. We change our mind as to the clothes we want to wear. We change our mind as to the food we want to eat. We change our mind as to where we want to go. We do this change every day. And when you know, when we change our mind concerning all the plans that we do, but one of the saddest things that you always hear people say is that I'm just the way I am. I can never change. You talk to them and they take it, they wear it as a badge of honor. They say, yeah, I'm just, that's just the way I am. You see a person talking to people anyhow, you say, that's just the way I am. I talk, I, that's the way I talk. I say whatever is on my mind. That is not the way you are. Okay? So it's a very, very sad day when somebody makes up their mind that I'm, that is just the way I am. I can never change. When they say something like that, when you say I can never change, when you say that is the way I am, when you say that is the way I've always been, and you can either accept it or leave it, you are assuming that your case is hopeless. When you say that's just the way I am, I'm always broke, that's just the way I am. I can never get a good job, that's just the way I am. When you make that kind of a statement, you are saying that your case is hopeless. When you make that kind of statement, you are saying that you have given up, that you cannot even make any progress. When you make that kind of statement, you are saying that your situation is beyond redemption. That God himself cannot even help you. That's what you're saying. When you say that I am like this, I can never change. You are saying that your case is beyond redemption. And unfortunately, there are many people inside the church who are feeling like that even now as the year is coming to an end. There are many people who believe that their situation will remain the same even if they enter into the new year. There are many people who believe that nothing can change for them. When the economy is getting better, they don't believe that they are going to hit it. When things are moving up for every other person, they don't believe that they will, that those things will happen unto them. The fact is that as we come to this particular end of the year, a lot of people are in that particular situation. And the interesting thing about this season of the, this time of the year is that it makes people to, it forces people to reflect on their lives. This time of the year, for some reason, it has a way of forcing people to look at themselves and say, how have I spent the year? It's a time of the year when we are forced to reflect on the passing year. How we have spent the year. What did we do with our time? What did we do with our money? How would you do? How did we manage our relationship? These are the things that just all of a sudden nobody tells you to do it. It just comes into your mind. And that's why many of us end up doing New Year resolution. It's because you feel that something needs to change. Something needs to be corrected. The interesting thing is that many of us wonder what happened to the year when we get to this point of the time. When we get to this point of the year. When you get to this point at the uh, uh, in the year, you begin to wonder what happened to the year. It was just like yesterday that we celebrated New Year's. It was just like yesterday that we did Easter. Just yesterday that we you know that we did Fourth of July. Before you know what's happening, you begin to wonder what happened to the year. Where did the year disappear to? What happened to all my dreams? What happened to all the plans that I made? What happened to the hope and the aspirations that I have? What happened to all the good things that I thought I was going to be able to accomplish in the year? For many, the year just went like that. Plans were never carried out. Projects were never drawn up, you know. They never left the drawing table. Hopes and aspirations appeared to be unfulfilled. And the interesting thing that we do every year is that we console ourselves that next year will be better. There's something that we used to say about Nigerians. They are the most tenacious group of people. In the most difficult situation, you say it go better. That is our usual word. That means it will be well. You see a Nigerian suffering and everything is not going on very well and life is upside down for him. If you ask him a question, say it go better. They have this unusual ability to hope for the best. And that is what we do every year. We all have this hope that it will be better. But the interesting thing is that we don't have any plan to change the situation. 
You don't have any plan for change. We don't have any plan to adjust anything. We don't have any plan to do anything differently. And yet we hope that the year will become better. Isn't that something? You are not planning to do anything different. You still continue to spend money the way you want to spend it. You still want to eat all the things you want to eat and you expect that all of a sudden the six pack will just show up. Okay? I mean, you, we, we hope for the better, but we do not intend to do anything different. And I tell you one thing, without any plan to do anything different, life will continue the same. And for those who are close to me, you have heard me say this. Hope is not a strategy for success. It is good to hope. Don't get me wrong. But hope is not a strategy. I don't hope. You know, hope will not get you some of the things you want. You have to be able to back it up with something. So hope is not a success for it's not a it's not a strategy for success. And please do not misunderstand me. I believe that the new year will be better. I believe that the new year will bring me good things. I believe the new year will bring things for will bring good things for the church, for our family. It will take us to where we need to be. I believe that God will release His power upon our life, but I, upon our life. But I understand that just because you hope and believe. Just because you attended a three-day a three-day retreat in Gatlinburg, just because you prayed some prayer, just because you listened to the message, motivational messages, and you did some worksheet or paper, does not necessarily mean that the new year is guaranteed success for you. It's not. The fact that you did one or two things does not mean that the year, the new year, you are guaranteed to have a better year. It takes more than hope and more than belief to get a good year. It takes more than a retreat. It takes more than some prayer. It takes more than a willingness, you know, more than some things that we do, some of the exercises that we go through. It takes more than that to get a big, to get a good year. It takes a willingness to make the necessary adjustment in the area of your life where that adjustment is needed. It takes necessary adjustment. It takes the willingness to make the necessary adjustment. A willingness and a determination to change what needs to change if the year is going to be better than what it t- than, than the previous year. The unfortunate thing is that many are not willing to make any change in any area of their life. And yet, they want to enjoy a blessing in the new year. They want to see a miracle in the new year. Bible tells us in the book of Romans chapter 6, if you read from verse number one, the Bible says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? In other words, you want to continue to live anyhow and expect the blessings of God upon your life. Paul the apostle said, No, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. No matter how much you cry, no matter how much you seek the face of God, if you are going to continue to live the way you want and expect heaven to open up for you, you are sadly mistaken. Okay? In other words, you cannot continue to do what you like and do do the same thing and expect a different result. If life must get better, you must be willing to do things differently. You must be able to live, you must be willing to live with, relate with God differently. You must be willing to pray differently. You must be willing to do something that you have never done before. Life can only get better when you make the necessary adjustment. And one thing that I found in life, not just among the believers, but outside the church is that life becomes disappointing. Life becomes frustrating when we have this expectation that things will get better, but we are not willing to change. Success without change is an illusion. And that is one of the ways in which people get disappointed. When they believe that things are going to get better. And that is why a lot of people are angry at pastors. 
Because they tell the pastors, we tell them, oh, you do X, Y, and Z. You bring the tithe. You bring the offering. You bring the seed money. And heaven will come. You become a millionaire all of a sudden. It doesn't work like that. God is not a magician. God is not a magician. If you want to do that, head to, head to, to Vegas. You have a better chance there. The point we are making is that disappointment comes when we have this expectation that things will get better while we remain the same. Disappointment comes when we believe that we can get reward without, we can get rewarded without any efforts. A student that is expecting A in a class that he doesn't study for, there are two possibilities. It's either you are in la la land or you have a particular corner where you are able to buy the question or cheat or get what you want. But if you want to get it the right way, A's don't fall from heaven. I hope you know that. Just like money don't come from this ceiling. I wish they did. It would have been very nice. But it doesn't. But the point I'm trying to make is that a disappointment comes in life when you believe that you can reap the benefit of change while remaining the same. Disappointment comes in life when we believe that other people will change to make us happy. And that is why a lot of marriages break down. That is why a lot of relationships don't move forward. Because you believe that the other person should change and that you will remain the same way and life will just be fine. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. And many people, disappointment comes into the life of many people when they, fail, when they continue to practice the same failed routine, the same failed habit, and they expect miracles to happen. You talk to people anyhow and you expect them to love you. You spend your money anyhow, you expect to have a good savings account. You do, you, you eat whatever junk that comes your way and you expect to be, you expect to be in good health. It doesn't work like that. You cannot continue in the old routine and expect to see miracles. Failed routines never produce miracles. You have to change something. And that is where a lot of people are disappointed. That is why when they come to the end of the year, they begin to wonder what happens. My brothers and sisters, life does not work by hope. Life does not work by not changing anything and expecting a miracle. If the new year is going to get better than the better than the passing year that we are having right now, if we, are, we must be ready to make some changes, we must be ready to do something differently. And the question is, what? Why must we do things differently? Why must we change? Why is change necessary in your life? I mean, if you are doing something and that thing is not happening and that thing is not giving you the result that you want, it will be complete, it, it will be complete madness for you to continue to do it and expect a different result. So why must you change? Why is change necessary? Bible tells us in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 3. If you read from verse number 1, the Bible tells us there. It says, to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. Which means that there are certain things you are supposed to do at a particular time. There are certain things that must happen at a particular time. If those things don't happen, you lose that opportunity. If you don't change with the time, you end up losing. And that is why if there is winter and you are still wearing summer clothes, two things will happen to you. It's either you get frostbite or you will end up with pneumonia. Yeah? Or pneumonia. So I think you're in America, you call it pneumonia. I remember the first time I said that in pneumonia, that guy was looking at me, what is this person talking about? But that's the story for another day. Okay, you will end up sick. That makes it easier. The point you are making is that why do we need a change? My brothers and sisters, change is necessary because, number one, change is inevitable. That's the way God designed the system. If you don't like it, you have the option of creating your own world where everything will remain the same. But unfortunately, you don't have that kind of power. But change is necessary because that is the way God ordained it. Change is necessary because nothing remains the same. Look at yourself. You know. 
Ten years ago, this was not the way you looked like. Okay? Certainly not me. You know, but the point we are making is that change, you know, nothing in life remains the same. Everything changes, even if you don't want it to change, it still changes. And that is why when you buy a car, the car will eventually get old. You buy a suit, one day the suit will become a rag. Things will change, even if you don't like it to change. And then finally, change is necessary because change is the only thing that you can expect in life. Change is the only thing that you can expect in life. Every other thing you may not be able to expect, you may not be able to count on them, but I can be, I can guarantee you that change is the only constant in life. Now, since change is the only thing that is constant and sure in life, you can either benefit from change or you can be suffer, you can suffer as a result of change. You can either benefit from change by properly aligning yourself or you can suffer as a result of a change that happened. Now, the way you benefit from change is a function of how you react to it. Okay? How you benefit from change is a function of how you react to it. People react to change by doing what? By resisting change. They know this thing is coming. And they are still doggedly holding on to it, sticking to the familiar. Saying that they will not change. Your kids are growing. The girl is looking beautiful. One day, one young boy is going to whisper into his ears. You, the daddy, you are still saying, no, my daughter is not going to do that. He says, look at you, you're wasting your time. The girl is going to fall in love with somebody and it's going to go away. The earlier you accept it, the better for you. Okay? The young boy is going to run after that young girl. It is what is a circle of life. It will happen. If you resist it, you are only wasting your time. Because it will happen. Some people react to change by resistance. That's why they don't want to change. You look at many Africans when they come to, when they come to America, they live like they are still in Africa. They still behave like that. You find them that they never change anything. It's because they are resisting the change that they are seeing here. When Jesus came to establish the new kingdom, he told them that he was the bread of life. He told them that he was the way, the truth, and the life. That nobody comes to the Father except through him. The Pharisees refused to accept it. And they did everything possible to get rid of him. Not knowing that they were fulfilling the agenda for him. People sometimes react to change by resistance. Number two, other people react to him by defying. They refuse to change by insisting on challenging the obvious. They continue to fight that change that they know is happening. They knew. The Bible told us that the prophecy is that Jesus Christ was going to be born. These people have read it. They know it. They have, they have been waiting for it. Now Jesus showed up and they are defying that change. And that is what is happening in the life of so many people. You know that there is a change is going to happen in your place of work. You know change is going to happen in your community. You know change is going to happen in your life. But you are saying, no, it's not going to happen. You are going to fight it as much as possible. And at the end of the day, you find that you are on the losing side. Number three, people will react to change by just watching it. They become disconnected. They don't get involved. They just stay at the back and watch. But you can watch change all you want without getting involved. And life will pass you by. Life will not pass us by in Jesus' name. Other people react to change by supporting it. They know that it is happening. And they know that the only way they can benefit from it is to be able to support it. Is to be able to get on board. Okay? And what will happen? They begin to benefit from it. They begin to benefit from it. And then finally, some people react to change by actually initiating that change in their lives. They look at what is going on. And they say, okay, in order to benefit from this thing, it is not enough for me to just support it. Let me begin that change in my own life. And that is what I'm asking you to do today. I want you to understand that the people who benefit, who will benefit in the new year, the people who will see what God will do in their life in the new year, the people who will see and get the best of what the year is have, has in store for them, these are the people who will not only support the change that God is bringing into their life, but they will initiate changes in their own very lives. 
Because if you don't change anything in your life, my brothers and sisters, you are going to remain on the same way. As we enter into the new year, if you are going to take advantage of what God has in store for you, you must be ready not only to support what God is doing in your life, but also to fall in line and make sure that change begins to happen in your life. You can either change or be left behind. That's just the way life is. There was a time when typewriter was the best thing that ever happened. Now, if you bring typewriter, some of the kids that are born today will say, what is this thing? There was a time when the only way you can make a phone call is to go to the, go to the, uh, what do you call it, that thing, that uh, phone booth, you know, put in some coins. If you put in coins right now, are you, are you okay? That's the question they will ask you. Because nobody uses those kind of things anymore. There was a time when taxes were the main thing. This is even now. It's not too long ago. Taxes were the main thing. You want to go somewhere, you call the taxi company, you wait for five hours before they come, and then you, and then they show up. Now, you have what is called Uber and lifts. Life is changing. And if you don't know how to adjust to that particular change, you are going to be left behind. I fly at the airport very often. Before Uber came, you go to the taxi line, the taxis are there. People are lined up waiting for taxi. Now, if you go to the same airport and go to the taxi park, the taxis are lining down and there are no people. Why? Because everybody's shooting Uber. The point I'm making is that if you don't change, if you don't look at your life and say, what is going on in my around? What is going on in my community? What is going on in my place of work? What is going on in the economy? What is going on? How do I look at what is going on and plug into it? My brother will not be left behind in Jesus' name. I tell you something, if you don't change, you are going to be left behind. And the reason is because nothing changes in your life. Your situation doesn't change. Your finances doesn't change. The things in your life does not change unless you change something. Because as long as you are doing the same thing, everything remains the same. But unless you change something, nothing changes in your life. You do not move to the next level unless you adjust something in your life. Okay? The question is then, how do you start the process of change in your life? How do I start the process of change in my life? Number one, how do you, 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 if you look at the book of Luke chapter 15, the one we read this morning, Luke chapter 15, reading from verse number 11, the Bible tells us there. Then it said, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that fall to me. So he divided unto them his livelihood. And, to, and, and uh, not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and, and there he wasted his possession with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him to his field to feed swine, and he would gladly have fed his filled his stomach with the pots that the swine did eat, that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, "How many of my father's hired servants have had, have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and I will know, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me one of your hired servants." Now, from this verse of the scripture. The way you initiate change in your life, the way you hit the reset button to take advantage of what God has made available for you, number one is to review and to revise your own life. Am I going in the direction that I want to go? I used to tell my people, write down what is going on in your life. Have a journal. Go back and look at what you wrote in January of 2018 and look at where you stand right now. What did you accomplish? How did you fail? There has to be a process of review, a process of revision. If you are able to review and to revise your life, then you are able to kickstart a process of change because you will see where the gaps are in your life. Number two, there has to be a process of assessment and evaluation. 
In other words, these are the things that I set out to accomplish in the year. These are the things that are, these are the plans that I have. How have I performed compared to those two things? There has to be an assessment. There has to be an evaluation if you are going to initiate change in your life. Number three, there has to be a process of studying and learning from past failures. Not just your own failure, but the failures of people in the past. The people who have done the same thing that you are trying to do. The people who have gone to the same place that you are trying to go. The people who have accomplished the same thing that you are trying to accomplish. What were their failures? What were their challenges? What were the things that they struggled with? You need to learn those things and then you need to study those things and learn from their mistakes. You know, there are two ways you can learn. You can either learn from the mistakes of other people or you can learn from your own mistakes. Your own mistakes are very costly. I hope you know that. Very, very costly. That is why you have books. That is why you have tapes. So that you can see the experience of other people and you don't make the same mistakes that they have made. And that is why a person, I remember when I was still, uh, when I was still actively teaching at MGSU, I would start my class, I would ask them a question. What is your favorite book? And some of the students would gladly tell me, I don't read. I say, wow. And you are a student. And you don't read. Then how do you intend to move forward? And it never fails. For over, almost 10 years that I did that, you know, that I was doing actively on campus, what you will find that no, most of the students will be so glad that they tell you that they don't read. And the students that they don't read, you can see from their communication. You can see from the way they talk that they don't read actually. The point I'm trying to make is that if you are going to move forward, if you are going to move forward, if you are going to initiate change in your life, you must be willing to learn, you must be willing to study failure and learn from failure. Thank you very much for listening to our program today. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. for our Sunday worship service at 2711 Murfreesboro Road in Antioch, Tennessee. We also host Bible study and prayer meetings every Friday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at www.lifelonganointing.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Join us next time for another edition of Fresh Encounter. On behalf of Lifelong Anointing Church, we thank you for listening. Thank you.